So friends, we are beginning a new worship series this week, and we're going to stick with it for hopefully another week, assuming that my yet unborn child chooses to stay that way long enough before he pulls me away for a few weeks of paternity leave. We're calling this the Seeds of Faith. See, as the world seems to be blooming around us, as flowers are bursting, bursting forth from the ground, as pollen runs rampant, we're taking a chance to reflect on the seeds of our faith, the foundational places where belief takes root. And we're beginning this week with one of those and this psalm, beautiful psalm, Psalm 8. And so we begin here with that psalm and the question that it raises, who are we that God pays attention to us? Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth And the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Equip us to hear your voice, that we might ground our faith in the truth you speak. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So this last Wednesday, the astronaut Michael Collins, who was the pilot for the Apollo 11 mission, died at the age of 90. He was just one of 24 people to ever orbit the moon, to make it that far from the earth. And Collins had the even more unique experience of being left completely alone in the spacecraft that was orbiting the moon for a day while his crewmates, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, visited the moon's surface. He was completely alone, so much so that on the far side of the moon he could talk neither to his crewmates nor to anyone on earth. He was completely alone, but he was not altogether distressed by the isolation, and Collins uh, spent his time tending to the spacecraft and taking in the view. And he says that while seeing the moon up close was exciting, it was the earth that kept drawing his attention. Fifty years later in an interview, he remembered talking about it over the radio to mission control more than 200,000 miles away. Hey, Houston, he said to them to orbit, I've got the world in my window, and the world is about the size of your thumbnail if you hold it out at arm's length in front of you. It looks just glorious. It's the sort of view that can completely transform a person's perspective. Astronaut Mike Massimino tells a similar story about a perspective-changing experience on a 2002 space shuttle flight when he was lucky enough to be assigned a spacewalk to perform some repairs on the Hubble Space Telescope. He had paid special attention to the Earth stretched out underneath his feet for a crew member who wouldn't get the same opportunity and wanted a first-hand report of the view. And so Mike Massimino took it all in, and when he made it back to the sh- into the shuttle, he made his report. He said to his crewmate, you're, not, you're never going to believe it. The Earth is a planet. Writing about it later, he says, the Earth is a planet. It's a spaceship. We're zipping around the universe, hurtling through the chaos of the space with asteroids and black holes and everything else, and we think we're safe, but boy, we are right out there in the middle of it. Because the universe is a gigantic thing to be hurtling through. I mean, just our solar system is big enough. If you were to go the speed limit on a highway that ran all the way from here just to the sun, you'd be driving for at least 150 years, and plenty longer than that if you wanted to get any further than the closest edge of it because the sun is big enough to fit more than a million Earths inside of it. We are very small people living in a galaxy of great magnitude. Every thought we've ever had, 
Every memory we've ever made, every sight we've ever seen, every life that's ever been lived has been done on a small planet orbiting a medium-sized star tucked away in a corner of the universe. This is exactly what the author of Psalm 8 knows. We are very small people living in a galaxy of great magnitude. Looking out against the night sky, the psalmist sees how small we look against the incredible backdrop of the galaxy, but then pushes the perspective out even further. What seems massive to us is tiny to God, the psalmist points out, describing how God created these colossal celestial bodies with just God's own fingertips. God placed the stars in the sky with the same precision it takes for us to thread a needle. When God placed the moon in space, God did so firmly, not because it was so heavy for God, but to prevent a stray breath of wind from God's mouth from sending it careening out of orbit. There's a song we sometimes have our kids sing. He's got the whole world in his hands. But I'm afraid that's not quite right. Apparently, God is bigger than that. God balances the whole world on God's fingertips. And in comparison, we are very, very small indeed. And so is it any wonder that the psalmist asked, what are human beings that you pay attention to them? What are human beings that you think about them? Our faith is founded on this great mystery that a God big enough to make the universe look small would pay attention to us, these tiny created beings. But God does. Notice that the psalmist never asks if God thinks about human beings, never asks if God pays attention to human beings, only wonders what it is in us that makes it worth God's while because there must be something because God does notice us. Now, neither I nor the psalmist have any really satisfactory answers to that question. Love can rarely be pinned down like that, especially the infinite and overflowing love of God. We don't know why, only that it is. You can tell because we have been made only slightly less than the divine. All the rest of creation holds its beauty in the reflection of God's handiwork. But we border on the divine. We tow the line between the created and the angelic. We have been crowned with glory and grandeur. In other words, we matter. We matter to God. You can tell because God has let us take charge of God's whole creation. All the sheep and the cattle, the wild animals, the birds, the fish, everything in the ocean is ours to lead and to guide and to protect and to care for. God cares for us enough that God would take everything God made, everything that God declared to be good, and place it into our tiny little hands. In other words, what we do matters. What we do matters to God. We sometimes forget it, but that makes all the difference in the world. When I was getting my undergraduate degree in engineering, we learned about a study that took place in a Western electric factory outside of Chicago in the 1920s and 30s. The workers at this factory assembled telephones, basically by hand. They connected the wires, they fit together the pieces, they screwed together the assemblies, everything. And to try to improve the productivity of the factory, the uh, management brought in a sociologist who started making changes in the work environment and measuring the resultant changes in productivity. And at first, things made sense. The sociologist started by improving the lighting in the factory, and productivity went up. But then, 
he switched the factory level to a lower level, the factory lighting to a lower level than it had ever been at, and productivity went up. He added brakes for the workers, productivity went up. He took the brakes away, productivity went up even further. With every change, no matter what it was, the productivity went up. They concluded the study by changing everything back to the way it was at the very start, and the productivity hit the highest level the factory had ever seen. Telephones were flying out of that building left and right. In fact, the only thing that decreased productivity at this factory was ending the study altogether. Before the study, these workers were just a mindless part of a larger machine, but when someone came in and started watching and asking questions and changing things, they learned something deeply important. They mattered. What they were doing mattered. And that made all the difference in the world. Because as human beings, we need to know these things, that we matter and what we do matters. So we could not rest our faith on anything other than this incredible truth. The God of infinite magnitude notices us, thinks we matter, and thinks what we do matters. And the psalmist ends his song the same way he begins. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. In Hebrew, that first word is Yahweh, a word that comes from the story in Exodus when Moses tells the burning bush that nobody will believe God sent him if he doesn't even know God's name. And so God says to him, I am who I am, which turns into the word Yahweh. But God continues in that story and says, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how all generations will remember me. And so it was that the word Yahweh described the God of the Israelites and the Israelites alone. But in this psalm, we are reminded that the name of the Lord, of our Lord, is majestic across the face of the earth, the whole earth. Our God's name, the name intended for the Israelites, the name intended for God's people, resounds in the ears of all people because God's majesty cannot be contained and neither can God's thoughts or God's gaze. God thinks of all people. God sees all people. God cares for all of God's people. For the people we like and the people we don't like. The people we vote for and the ones we vote against, the people who look like us and sound like us and eat like us and think like us and dress like us and all the people that don't. The people who live here, but also the people who live far away and the people who aren't given home or shelter anywhere. Young, old, rich, poor, black, white, caring, selfish, and everywhere in between, God cares for all of God's people. Sometimes we try to divide ourselves into groups. Sometimes we find comfort in splitting humanity up into these groups so that we can focus on our own people and don't have to consider the mistreated or the oppressed anywhere else. We find comfort in the boundaries that separate us, the roads or the train tracks, the clothes, the accents, the colors, sometimes even the walls. I once had the chance to visit China and stand atop that country's Great Wall, built to protect one group of people from the other. It has stood for millennia, an impressive testament to humanity's craftsmanship and resolve. But it's interesting to note that despite what we may have heard, you can't see the Great Wall of China from space. There is absolutely no distinction between the land on one side and the land on the other. Looking down, you can't tell where one group of people stops and the other begins. 
Do I imagine that a God big enough to hold our little blue planet on a single fingertip sees us in much the same way? In a world so often unequal and unjust, which disregards some for the comfort of others, it makes all the difference to know that every particular and specific life matters to God, especially for those who have heard it otherwise. It makes all the difference to know that their lives matter to God. We matter. And what we do matters. What we do to creation and what we do to each other, each one a beloved and cherished child of God, matters deeply to God. This is the first seed where everything else springs forth. We might seem minuscule by the scale of the universe around us, but we matter to God, and what we do matters to God. Thanks be to God. Amen.